Visit our website at oalaig.org where you'll find three separate speaker feeds with over 200 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to donate to keep this special service active. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Leonard. Okay, it's nice to see a lot of uh, faces of people I know, and it's nice to be here. Uh, how many uh, are compulsive overeaters here like I am? Oh, boy, I'm with a lot of people that think like I do. <laughs> I do have my condolences. No. Uh, bad neighborhood, you know. Um, I would like to start, some new people came in, and it'll help me being a little less nervous. I'd like to start with the serenity prayer, if that's all right. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. The courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference, I will not mind being. Thank you very much. Um, experience, strength, and hope. Um, I might qualify. I've been in the program going on 20 years. Um, and uh, actually, I started coming in 1976. Um, and uh, I sat in a certain number of meetings at Old Temple Isaiah. That goes way back on, on Pico. And when I heard the word God, uh, I got very scared. And I said, I've got to be in here with a bunch of kooks and cultists, and i got to get out of this place. And then I said, okay, I'll give it a chance. And I got a sponsor right away, and the sponsor said, the first thing I want you to do is help me move on Saturday. <laughs> so I really was kind of <laughs> wondering what I'd gotten myself into. And uh, after helping him move all weekend, uh, and a couple of other uh, times, I decided that maybe this wasn't for me, and I dropped out. And... Uh, and it was interesting, um, I knew I needed a program, and diets were not working for me anymore. I'd gone through, my mother, who was a compulsive eater, watched her diet her whole life that I knew her in, watched her go off to fat farms, and I followed her to fat farms. I mean, that's, that's a long story. But the point was that nothing was working for me, and my mother was really suffering a lot from compulsive overeating, and I had a strong lesson there. So I... Um, I got into therapy, and, uh, and I stopped thinking about OA, but there was a big trust issue. And uh, so I said to my therapist, I want to go, but I don't trust it. And she said, okay, here's what I suggest. Go to an OA meeting again, and just let me know what goes on, and I'll tell you whether they're ripping you off or whether they're trustworthy. You have to trust me. And I, and I, and I, do, and I did trust her. So I went to a few meetings. I told her what went on, and she said, it sounds pretty good to me. Sounds like this could be helpful to you. And so that was a bridge between me and coming back into OA. And in 1991, I came back. And I've been in the program ever since. Never never went away. The most meeting time I've ever missed is when I was in Europe for three weeks or away maybe for a vacation for a week and a half. But most of the, I'd say in this 19 years, I've, I've really never gone more than three weeks without a meeting. And my normal is three or four meetings a week. Okay, uh, qualify. Um, I was maintaining a 40-pound weight loss. I've gained about five pounds because I had a medical uh, um, um, medical thing two weeks ago that was very difficult for me, and I gained some weight while it was uh, while I was being tested for a new medical procedure. So that was tough. So I gained a little weight, but I feel positive because I feel I'm, there was a reason there, and I'm back into into the fold. So I certainly I didn't break my my abstinence, but I did uh, struggle more with my food. Um, so I'm holding about a 35-pound weight loss. Uh, my abstinence, is, this current abstinence is about two years, four months. My big problem um, with my abstinence is sugar. If I binge sugar, I'm in trouble. 
and flour and sugar, especially. The combination of flour and sugar is like a left punch and a right punch, and that can really, uh, really take a, quite a blow from me, and I, I know a lot of you have that issue. So, um, so I, uh, I, I really haven't been sugar in a long, long time, but I, can, I, I can't really say I've had 19 years of abstinence straight. That would be not really be true, uh, because there are times when it's messy, and there were times when I had some problems, but the last two and a half years, I have not binged flour and sugar, and I feel very good about that. Um, the uh, the other thing I think that really uh, uh, adds to uh, a kind of a special abstinence for me is that I've had 26 years of marriage, in of happy marriage, in 20 years in the program. And I think this is where the program has really, really blossomed and been a success story for me because I got married at 42 and when most of my friends said for many years, Leonard, you're too different, you're too weird, we love you, but don't ever get married. You don't want to put anybody through what you put us through. You know? <laughs> and, uh, um, and I took that to heart and it took me a long time, but I got married at 42 years old, I'm 67, I've been married 26 years, and I grant a lot of that went to my wife and to the program, so that's that's part of um, where I think the wonderful things about being abstinent and running and the, the positives of the program. Okay, uh, experience what it was like. Uh, I could spend a lot of time with what it was like. You're looking at a guy who spent 30 years in therapy. That's pretty amazing. <laughs> Although I hear people sometimes you know, being interviewed and they, oh yeah, I've been in therapy 30, 20, 25, 30 years. So I guess I'm not that weird. But 30 years in therapy, that's that's quite a, uh, that's another story in itself. But uh, basically what it was like was, uh, the first thing I remember my friends telling me was that stay away from Leonard if you have clean clothes because he has greasy hands and don't let him get near you. Because I was the kind of kid, I must have been born uh, uh, an overeater because I was always, uh, my hands were always greasy. And they said I was like a, a, a chimpanzee. I could go up to the highest cupboards and get right into any cupboards. <laughs> And I was given long, long fingers. So even my mother, after she padlocked and chained the covers, I could get them open just enough to stick these long fingers in and still get the food out. So it was pretty amazing, you know. I mean, I was dedicated to that. Um, and uh, so all my life, I struggled with food. And uh, so that's, that's, uh, that's been... Uh, um, and, of course, part of the why I didn't go around as a four or 500 pounder was that I was extremely athletic. I spent 20 years playing basketball, running five, six hours a day. Uh, and then, of course, when I stopped running, I would be eating, and then I'd be sleeping. So I ran, ate, and slept. Basically, that was it. Um, but when I gave up basketball, and I was getting too old for it, the, the, I could really feel that there were some real issues here, and the weight was coming on, and I couldn't, I couldn't, uh, couldn't control it. Uh, let alone the fact that my social life, uh, for the most part, amounted to uh, going to work, coming home, sitting in front of the TV, and eating until I went to bed. That was basically my social life. So there was nothing going on. I mean, I was fortunate. I had a great job. I was a school teacher. I did my work. I came home, sat by the TV, and just would eat. Um, and in summer, when I didn't have my job, it was horror. That's when the real uh, issues of, of, you know, they often say, you want to know what's really going on? Stop eating. Well, when the, when the summer would hit, and I was and I wouldn't work like a, a crazy person, I I had real real issues with uh, what's going on with my life. Nothing. 
because the courageous acts were, you know, driving at three in the morning to find the best place to get something to eat. That was the, the courage in my life. It wasn't going out and taking chances in, in relationships and traveling the world and doing all kinds of things. No. All my courage was funneled out how, what kind of bizarre food I could get at what time and, you know, and so on. That's where all the courage was. Came out of a strawberry jam, uh, uh, you know, glass. Uh, so, uh, basically, uh, that's what it was like. Food was number one. Food was number one. And that's not, uh, uh, that maybe worked when I was younger and, uh, and my father left when I was, uh, when I was six years old during World War II. My father walked out. It was my mother, my brother, and I. It was very scary. It was very lonely. And food worked then. Kept me alive. But, uh, but I reached a point in my life where it no longer worked. And I was watching my friends falling in love, getting married, having children, going on with their lives. And what was I doing? You know? hoping that the color TV wouldn't blow its tube because I had it on so much. So that was very depressing, very depressing. Um, so what is it like now? Um, I have a life. I have a wonderful life. I have many, many of my old friends who now tell me that none of their food was safe when I was around. And that, and that sometimes my eating habits were despicable. Now, finally, they decided they had the courage to tell me. So your friends will finally tell you what it was like. You just have to wait 30 or 40 years. No, they'll tell you. Um, and, uh, and, uh, um, but those issues aren't, aren't there. I don't have those issues with my friends. Once in a while, I do with my wife. Once in a while, my bad food habits sometimes erupt. And my wife reminds me, in no uncertain terms. And I thank her for that. Uh, but uh, but I've come a long way in uh, in compulsive eating and and, and, and controlling that monster. Um, and how do I do that? I do that by working my program. And you know, I was I, one of the books I read. and I'm going to tell you how I work my program. But one of the books I read uh, is called Voices of Recovery. And this and I thought this was interesting because I was doing my my reading today, and it's. March 14th in Voices of Recovery, and I, it's just simple, and it really states the program, just lasers into what the program is, and I thought I'd read a little bit. Day after day, I admit my powerlessness over food and everything else in my life. By turning my powerlessness over to God, I'm accepting help. I ask my higher power to show me His will for me and for my ability to concentrate in recovery. Concentrate in recovery. Boy, so much of that is focus for me, focusing. Reading 12-step literature reminds me that I have a disease and that I can recover one day at a time. The program teaches me that I must commit to work and live the steps. Maintaining abstinence, being accountable to my sponsor, giving service, making amends are some of the actions that keep me in recovery. As I keep these commitments, each day I receive the healing the happiness, the joy, and the freedom that eluded me before program. I am grateful to God, to my family, to my OA family, and to all those who love me unconditionally for their part in helping me become the man that I was meant to be. Permanent recovery is possible, and I am receiving it, and it is worth it. Uh, and that uh, that really means a lot to me, and that really says it, I think, very succinctly and for today's Voices in Recovery. Um, 
And then I always think of something else that somebody said, and, I, and it always kind of struck me as this right on. Yesterday's shower can't keep me clean today. I have to, this is really true for me. I have to work the program every day, and I have a, a kind of a spiritual armor on me when I do that. And that keeps me out of the, you know, the places that uh, we all know uh, are not good places for us to go, you know. Uh, and if I don't do the program because I'm getting cocky and I'm getting arrogant and my life is too busy, and guy, I'm just a normie like everybody else, look, as soon as I start thinking that way, I am in trouble. I am in trouble. And the food starts getting messy and I start getting down on myself and my self-esteem starts falling and the, the clouds of depreciation, of, of, of depression to start rising. So um, that's the really the, 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 the warning signs. I have to work this program every day. And I don't do it perfectly, and my food isn't perfect. And as a, 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 uh, one of the speakers in the other, at a meeting the other night said, if I got up here and didn't say that, this, that, that my, at times my program is messy and that life is messy at times, I would be a big liar. And it's true. I don't work it perfectly, and it is messy at times. And I struggle, and I pull uh, uh, back into, into the program uh, when I have uh, a real, some real pain starting up because I think I can do it my own way. I want to take as my spot that says, aha, you're trying to take your power back today, huh? you got a little more research to do out there. Well, I tasted it all. I've done it all. I don't need to do any more research. I know what it all tastes like. Um, and I know what feeling good is like, and that's much better. Um, so let's talk a little bit about how my program helps me and, and gives me a sense of hope uh, uh, in my life uh, uh, on a daily basis. Um, first thing I do at 7.30 in the morning, I call my sponsor. I've had the same sponsor for 19 and a half years. I've only had one sponsor in 19 and a half years. And we have a wonderful relationship. And we've gone through our tough times. We've gone through our times when uh, when I was mad and I wanted a new sponsor and, you know, and so on and so forth. And we, we, we hit some rough roads. But we've been really, we've really fought it through. And I'm very, very grateful that we have this commitment to each other and it's going on 19 and a half years. So I call my sponsor at 7.30 in the morning. At 7.45, I currently, one sponsee calls me at 7.45, and we talk. And then, this is where I struggle, and I'm going to tell you quite honestly. Then, it's time for me to get up, get, uh, get in the shower, get dressed, and do my program, which involves reading, writing, and praying. Reading, writing, and praying. And so the first thing I read is my, and some of you may not know this book, but it's the 24-hour black prayer book of AA. That, next to the, the big book of AA, is the most powerful book in my life. The 24-hour prayer book of AA. I read a prayer for the day. Then I read For Today, which I think many of you are aware of, and then I read Voices of Recovery. And I read just, you know, whatever what's going on that day. Okay, then, I pick up my big book, and I usually read uh, On Awakening in the book. I think in the new edition, it's, it's page 87. Um, 
Sometimes I will not read on awakening, but I'll read uh, acceptance. If, if there's some, some real stuff going on in my life, and I'm really struggling more, I will not read the on awakening. I will read the, the, the four pages on acceptance, which always helps me. I think it's 417 in the fourth edition. Um, then I will read, uh, and these are all directions from my sponsor. By the way, I'm not making this up. This is what my sponsor is telling me to do. Uh, then I will read... Um, the 12 and 12 of um, Overeaters Anonymous. And I read a paragraph, and then I start writing. And I usually write a page, a page and a half, two pages, depending on what's going on. And the inspiration for that writing comes from that paragraph in the OA 12 and 12. And when I finish going through all the steps of the OA 12 and 12 traditions, then I'll go back to the AA 12 and 12. So I usually work with those two books, the AA 12 and 12 and the OA 12 and 12. Uh, And then I'll write. So that process takes me a half hour. Then I will get on my knees and I will pray. And it's important for me to get on my knees. Um, and I'll do a short prayer. And then I am ready for the day. I am armored spiritually and I am ready to face my day. And when I do it, invariably I have a very wonderful day. I can't remember when I have it. I mean, there's things happen, obviously. So, But as my remembrance recall goes, which is not as good as it used to be, I have a pretty good day. Where I get in trouble is when I'm thinking about, oh, i got to do this today, and i got to do that, and I don't have time. Oh, I'm going to be late. i got to get out of here. I'll do my writing later. That's probably the most dangerous thing I can say. I will do my writing later. Those are really bad words for me. Because that's when I get in trouble. Because invariably, it's 11 o'clock at night, and i got to go to bed, and I don't feel like doing my writing. Now, sometimes when I've gotten into that condition, or when I haven't done my writing at 7 o'clock, and I go to a meeting, I will say to the meeting, I'm going to use you as my temporary higher power tonight, and I will commit to doing my writing tonight before I go to bed, and if I don't, I will come back next week and tell you and make amends to the group. And I haven't yet had to do that. So that has helped me a lot. When I get in struggle, sometimes with me, I don't write over the weekends, and then Monday night, I will come to my Monday night meeting and say, okay, I need you guys. Get me going. Get me started up again. Get my writing going, and I will ask the group to help help me. Um, so that's basically what I do. I, now, I do take, uh, um, I do get outreach calls, and I do call people, not as much as I would like to. And I do one other thing that has been absolutely I cannot tell you how wonderful it's been in my life and how it's enriched my program. And that is I am very active in the men's retreats, uh, Rancho Allegra and Casa de Maria. And I have been going to both those retreats for over 10 years. <clears throat> and uh, Casa de Maria, I think, even longer. And those have been, I, I have always been on a pink cloud after those retreats. I've always found that they regenerate my program. They, I, I have great relationships with a lot of the guys because of the retreats. And uh, it's just been a wonderful, wonderful part of my life. So I am, uh, so I am uh, very, very um, fortunate that we have some really wonderful service people in Southern California that you all know and we all benefit from as we rotate the service commitments with some great people. And, and I benefit from the hard work a lot of volunteers put into the retreats. Uh, and uh, I've been on the Casa de Maria, Casa de Maria retreat. Uh, um, a planning group for the last five years. Uh, one other thing, I 
For the most part, if I don't do a service commitment at a meeting, that meeting doesn't mean as much to me. And I don't make the commitment to go there as often as I would. So the service commitment is really, really important for me. Uh, and I'm the, currently the treasurer of a, a Monday night meeting. And uh, I was the secretary for a Wednesday meeting, actually, for years and years. And then I realized that I needed to pass that to other people. And, and now it's, it's, the meeting is really thriving uh, without me being the secretary. And it's wonderful, wonderful meeting. A men's, a men's meeting on Wednesday nights. Um, so being of service has really helped me a lot. And uh, that's what makes the meetings richer for me. And if I don't, if I end up going to a meeting only intermittently, and I must admit that as much as I love this meeting, uh, too often I don't come because I have a chance. My wife works very long hours and very tough hours during the week, and it's the weekend that we have the most time to spend together. And so I really cherish that time, and sometimes it's hard for me to get to this meeting, but this is a wonderful, wonderful meeting, and uh, I really miss it. And just being here tonight reminds me how much I enjoy this meeting, and I'm going to make more of an effort to come. Um, but if I come inter- intermittently to a meeting, this was especially true when I was a little younger in the program, and I didn't know a lot of people, I felt strange, and I felt awkward, and I didn't want to talk, and I often wouldn't come back to the meeting. So having a commitment for me got me to the meeting on a regular basis, which gave me connections with people in the meeting, which made it easier for me to come. Because it was a warmth and a sharing, and I knew the people. Basically, I am a very shy person. If I don't know the people in a room, I will get closer and closer and closer to the buffet. Because <laughs> I know the buffet very well. <laughs> We've been through a lot together. So, uh, so it's really, um, uh, really important for me to, to go to meetings on a steady basis and get to know the people and to make outreach calls. And, um, and, and then I really enjoy going to the meeting. Uh, and uh, rather than sitting at home and thinking about, you know, uh, whether I should put the lifeline in the refrigerator or not, you know. <laughs> so, you know, so that's basically, I mean, I could go on a lot and talk about, you know, struggles with food, but I don't really want to do that. Uh, I want to say that uh, the program has changed my life. It has given me uh, something I thought I could never have, and that is the ability to maintain a long-term relationship. Uh, and to get through, you know, a lot of uh, struggles because anybody, who, and I think some many of you may know that you don't stay in a long-term relationship with going through crises and redefinitions. Wow. And uh, that has certainly happened with my wife and I. Uh, and my brother and I and, uh, and other people in my family. And by the way, I think the program has helped me tremendously with my relationships with my family. My older brother who is uh, very much of a type A personality and very, very high energy and loves to order me around, um, even though I'm bigger than him. Um, we have really come to an agreement, and there's a much more mutual respect between us, and he knows that the big brother, little brother thing doesn't work, doesn't work for me, and, uh, and he's much more sensitive to that. And without the program in my past, I would not have had the courage to say it to him. Because I was the kind of guy that was really very passive-aggressive. I wouldn't stick up for myself. No, I'd go, I'd either eat or I'd eat and then do something behind their back. You know. And show my resentment that way. Um, I have had a very, very um, uh, good 
a pretty good record of getting rid of the resentments. And the, the, the step 10, uh, the 10-step inventory has helped me a lot with resentments. When I start churning on resentments, and I can tell there's two areas that, that uh, there's two signals for my resentments. Showering. That's when a lot of my resentments start coming out. I get angry in the shower. And I get these, you know, I realize that I've got, I'm holding on to some big resentments. Or, and more subtly and more difficult, I'm slowing down as I go by certain places. <laughs> I'm looking for parking spots. Luckily, it's West LA. You can't find a parking spot anywhere, so that helps. But then I know, when I start doing that, I know there's something going on, and I've got to deal with it. Because if I don't deal with it, my abstinence is in trouble. Um, so uh, the, the steps have been extremely important, especially 10-step on an ongoing basis. And I, that's not saying I do it every night. I don't feel those resentments every night. But when they're coming up, I 10-step them. And every time I 10-step resentments, they just help me. And I feel the release. Thank God I've gotten rid of that thing. It's just like literally taking a weight off me. So, uh, and sometimes when I'm really, uh, uh, like I'm going for a medical procedure and things are a little touch and go, I'll take my prayer book with me. Or I take my big book with me. And I get a lot of help from that. A lot of help. Uh, what, how much time do I have? About 17 minutes. Okay. Uh, I'm not going to go that long, so uh, think of some questions. Um, working the steps has been a... Uh, I've gone through the steps now in 19 years completely, I'd say about four times. I think I have four inventories, three and three or four. Uh, I'm on step three of the 12 and of the OA 12 and 12. So I'm about ready to start, I think, my fourth inventory. And uh, it took me a long time to write my first inventory, years to write that first inventory. But since then, it's been better every time. And, uh, and my sponsor sometimes reads the inventory and says, wait a minute, you let that go three inventories ago. Why are you still bringing that up again? You know? And he keeps me honest. He keeps me straight. Because I have a tendency to want to beat myself up. And pull back with things that out that are out there that I still think I should deal with, and I really don't have to deal with anymore. Um, and so my sponsor has helped me a lot. And those sessions with my sponsor after I finish a step are extremely powerful sessions. And I don't think my program could advance without being able to turn it over to my sponsor, who knows me and knows what to look out for, and uh, when he hears me turn over my. Uh, my step. So that's an extremely important thing. I can't imagine being in the program without a sponsor. I just can't even visualize it. And I wish I had more courage at times to speak up and sponsor more people. And I think that's something that, that I would benefit from, and, and hopefully they might. But that's something that I think my program could do, I could do a better job with. Um, so, uh, so the steps are a part of my daily life. And I know that if I don't work the steps when things are the most pressured or critical or scary, then I will never work the steps in any meaningful way. If I don't use them when I'm in crisis, I will never use them when, I, when I'm anywhere else. And I'm very aware of that. So, so those steps are there when the most important things in my life are going on. And when I do that, they'll be there for the rest of my other things in my life also. Um, and uh, always a comfort. I can't imagine going somewhere uh, away now without taking my big book with me. Uh, in fact, when I have trouble sleeping at night, and I, I don't take any sleeping pills or any of that stuff, 
Uh, but when I have trouble sleeping, I take my big book and I make a commitment. Five pages each night, the last thing I read, and invariably I sleep better. I don't have nightmares. And I'm, I'm really sleeping with God and sleeping with my program. And that has always been a huge help for me. Uh, and sometimes I don't do it enough. Sometimes I'll go too long uh, having problems sleeping without saying, okay, it's time to bring that big book into the bedroom before I go to bed. And it always works for me. So I'm very fortunate about that. Uh, and it always works for me if I get down on my knees and I talk to my higher power. My higher power has never let me down. I don't know how many times I've walked into a medical office, and when, when you get 67, you're walking into medical offices a little bit more, especially when you've had a history of a lot of years of overeating and health abuse. Uh, I have never, my higher power has never let me down. Now, sometimes I'm scared as hell, and I forget, but I come out of that meeting, and the tests are fine, and I know my higher power was with me. And that's, a, that's, I'm very grateful for that. I'm very grateful. And, uh, and I also know one other thing. I don't think there's a better anecdote in my life for depression than gratitude. I remember one day being terribly, terribly depressed. I called somebody in the program and could hardly make that call. And he said, you know, why don't you write down, and I hadn't really thought of this, this a number of years ago, so why don't you write down ten things you're grateful for? Like, you've got warm water in the shower. That's a nice thing to be grateful for. And believe me, when I had a medical procedure two weeks ago and I couldn't shower for a week, I realized how, how grateful I am for the ability to take a shower. The sponge baths only go so far, I'll tell you. Um, uh, and so, yeah, he reminded me, just the simple things that I can get out of bed and, and, and feel good for the, the, the day and I have some energy. That's a lot to be grateful for. A lot for me to be grateful for. Uh, and uh, so gratitude is, a, is, for me, a powerful anecdote against depression. Um, so uh, that's, um, that's really uh, about what I wanted to say and uh, hoping that, and, you know, the, the other thing, I just wanted to think, I think another very, very part of the big book, powerful part of the big book that always reads values for me is that passage about honesty. That this program really can work for just about everybody except, and I was with my, for that poor slob who cannot, and that is a sometimes me, who cannot be honest with himself and another human being. Or, or the book says, constitutionally unable to be honest with himself and another human being. That, those words speak volumes to me. They, they should be written on Mount Rushmore for me. I'd like them up there. Because that, that's a powerful, powerful uh, sentence for me in the big book. And I need to remember that. And if I pray for anything today, it is that I could get up here and be honest and not tell you that I run a perfect program and everything is great and that my life doesn't get difficult at times and my food doesn't get messy and I struggle because that's just the way it is and I am, I am grateful for God that He still loves me even when I don't love myself. Anyway, thank you for letting me share. Ten minutes for questions? Great. Thank you.
Sure. Got a couple of hours? <laughs> well, certainly the steps, you know, is it step five, uh, the steps on character defects, step five or six? Uh, and I haven't done enough on that. I think it would be, it would be help, it would help me even. And I might not, you know, get so messy at times if I worked hard with character defects, but the best way for me to, uh, to say I've made progress in character defects is when my wife tells me that, you know, that I am not this person that she knew 10 years ago or 15 years ago. And that tells me that a lot, some of those character defects have really melted away. And that makes me feel real good. Um, I think my best, um, uh, the best thing I can do to help me with character defects is just keep doing the program. And, and going and, and that, that wonderful prayer about letting go, asking God to take away my character defects and being ready to have my character defects be taken away. And being ready means that, that, that I am clean in terms of my food and that spiritually I am open and vulnerable to the power of God in me. I mean, that I, that I can pray and feel that connection to God. Then I am ready to, let, to ask God to release me of those character defects because I've done the good work. I've done the footwork. And when I'm doing the footwork, the character defects are a small part of my life. And they don't get into, I don't get into trouble like I used to. Boy, did I get into trouble with my family, with my character defects and my wife. Uh, but the, but the, uh, the program has literally kind of, you know, scrubbed me clean, little by little by little. And that's, that's the best way I can say it, you know, without getting more specific. I hope that's a decent answer. But I, I just, I just go to the, go to the, go to the program in the big book. Yeah, thank you. Leonard, could you please tell me why getting on your knees and praying is better for you than just sitting in a chair or on the bed or in your car or wherever? I don't, um... Good question, but because it's different, because I think it's, there's a certain drama to it for me, because it gets my attention mentally. Um, you know, there's a certain part of me, because I, because I was a, um, a non-observant Jew, because I had, my parents were too busy fighting and killing each other to worry about my religious training, you know, so I was... <laughs> true, I mean, I speak the truth, you know. Uh, so I really had nothing. And so prayer to me was, uh, it was embarrassing. I mean, if I saw people in the Catholic Church praying, I thought it was strange and weird and getting on their knees, and I, I never understood that. But when I first tried that, there was a certain drama, there was a certain specialness about it that got my attention. You know, my mind, you know, stopped the craziness, and my heart opened, and I could start communicating with with God. Um and I found, actually, uh, that I found a person in OA that, uh, that he and I both could pray together. And that we shared that. And the power of prayer, we were kind of witnesses to each other about the power of prayer. Um, and so um, it just works. And it, I have such great faith in it that when I want to beat myself up, I don't do it. You know? That's the amount of faith I have in it. And so I hope I have less of those times when I... When I when I push it away because I'm, I'm mad at myself. Yes. Have you ever found yourself with a particular food or beverage or something that you want to remove from your abstinence, having trouble with it, and how did you go about having 
Yeah, that's a very, very good question. Uh, basically, uh, I think it's a question of honesty with me. Um, I have a food sponsor. I didn't really talk about that. At, at, um, I'm, I have a food sponsor different than my um, uh, my step sponsor because after five years of hearing my food, he said, I've had it. <laughs> I don't want to hear your food anymore. You're on your own or find somebody else, you know, because he, and I don't blame him, you know. Um, and so I found, uh, actually, I had a wonderful, wonderful food sponsor for a number of years, and then he moved away, and then uh, I have a food sponsor now, and I call in my food at 5 or 6 o'clock, because that's the days or hours for me, the evening. That's when I have the most trouble with my food, not being able to stop after dinner. That's the critical. So I'll call in my food then. And I have to tell him, hey, yeah, today I had this, and that's an alcoholic food for me. And when I tell him that, I'm embarrassed. I am personally embarrassed. I would much rather not say a word about it and then think I've, you know, I've had my cake and eat it. I've gotten away with something. And then what happens? The next day I have two of those. And the day after that I have three of those, you see. So I have to have the courage to say to my sponsor, yeah, this is not a good food for me, but I have some today and I have to own up to it. And, uh, uh, you know, and, and there's a part of me that thinks I should bend over and he's going to spank me. He never does. He never does. You know, I think he says a silent prayer to himself. I hope you're better tomorrow. But when I hear myself saying it, I feel the humiliation and the pain. And that tells me I can do better tomorrow. So honesty. I can't think of a stronger word for me in terms of uh, making my food better than being honest when I stray from the path. Okay, I hope that helps. Yeah. All right, thank you so much for your share. Um, can you talk a little bit more about the, the relapse part? How you were able to keep on coming back to meetings when you were struggling with your absence and what changed this time? Yeah, that's an excellent question. Um, you know, there's a certain part of me that, that it's so painful, I don't even want to think about it, you know. And I, I don't think my memories are real vivid of the pain of relapse a lot. Um, my biggest problems with relapse have been on vacations where I'm away, where I'm in a new area, in a new situation, in an unknown situation, and I fail to plan for it. That's been my big, big problem. And uh, it'll start, you know, I'll start leaking it on the first day, and then uh, and then there's nobody around for me to really be accountable to, and I'll think I've gotten away with something, and, it, and then the next day I'll be a little bit more, and before you know it, I'm on a vacation, and I'm, uh, I'm eating the things and drinking the things I shouldn't be doing. And as a result, suddenly, you know, some of the real glow of that vacation starts coming down. I'm not really getting the real wonderful vacation and the wonderful time with my wife that I thought we would be getting. Because I'm into the food, I'm not into the relationship and, and the wonderful things around me. Um, so uh, I have to plan very clearly when I go on a trip. I take my program, I tell my sponsor I'm going, I tell him when I'm going to call him. I tell my food sponsor when I'm going to call him. I have to take my program with me or I am in trouble. Or anytime I'm in a totally new situation and I haven't planned for it, I'm in trouble with food. Because I will go to the food in a new situation if I haven't really thought about strategy. You know. And that's where I have to be very, very careful. I want everything to be predictable. When I'm home and my program and my food are, I, I'm in pretty good shape. But you put me in a new situation where I have to start saying, okay, what do I do now? I was on a cruise. The first day was a disaster. I mean, they were bringing me goodies all day long. I mean, this is a disaster. 
And I pulled my wits together. I prayed that night. I did my reading. Uh, on one cruise, I, I got into an AA group who kept telling me how nut, nutty OA is. And I keep fighting, fighting these guys for a week. Yeah, I mean, this is just a bite. Of, uh, but I went. I was on. I was on a cruise, and we were on a big table. And there was one guy at that table who was like a type double A personality, and he wanted to take over the table. And and I started struggling with him. And there was kind of a battle going on. And the other people on the table said, "Wow, by the these guys are going to come to blows by the end of the week." Well, the next day I found a friends of Bill W meeting, and guess who was there? <laughs> that guy. And. Uh, we took our battles out of that meeting, and it got much more serene at the table. And nobody knew, except for my wife. You know, how these guys, how are they getting along? At least they're not getting on each other. Everything is nice and pleasant now. It's funny. It's really ironic about that. Those personalities will seek each other out. Um, anyway, um, so no, so my real issue with relapse, Josh, is new situations where, where you know, the old cliche, if you don't uh, plan, then you're planning to fail. And that is really true for me. Uh, and I have to be careful about new situations. Um, any other questions? Back there. Oh, no more time? Thank you very much. And thank you for letting me share.